0: Friday, you made it. It's the weekend. Nothing better than 5 o'clock on a Friday summer day. So, hey, here's the deal. If you're in Norman, Oklahoma City, more, come hang out over here, Westwood Park Golf Course. Still got people on the driving range. Still got people out on the golf course getting nine holes in, 18 holes in before Friday night. If you can't make it out today, Saturday or Sunday, Westwood Park Golf Course is the spot to be. And, hey, if you don't like golf, that's cool. Westwood, uh, The Westwood Pool is right next door, the Westwood Tennis Facility. They have an awesome facility right here in Norman, so come enjoy it this summer. Travis is at Ash Cigar Bar, 4205 South Sheridan Road. And a little Hillbilly Vegas pumping through the speakers over there at Ash Cigar Bar. Does it get any better than that, dude?
1: I love it. I love it. Big, big shout-out to Hillbilly Vegas. Uh, I would say friends of the show, but I think by now they're probably family of the show, don't you think? Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, if they're not by now, they definitely will be after this football season, all the fun plans we have uh, set up with them.
1: Yeah, it will. I'll tell you what, after, after this football season, uh, what we have planned for you guys, it is it is definitely going to be a situation where we want people to walk into any road game um, and just think, you know what, where's KREF going to be set up? That's where the party's going to be. And that's what we're trying to kind of cultivate um, especially by the SEC move, this will kind of be a uh, kind of a warm up year to get some of the logistics worked out and whatnot. But we want us to we want K to be synonymous with, hey, that's where the party is on game day. If I'm if I'm going somewhere, so you'll always have a friendly face. Um, and well, it's it's going to be it's going to likely have a set of headphones around it.
0: <laughs> the home of Sooner fans, man, don't just mean that. Uh, six a.m. to six p.m. Monday through Friday or in Norman or Oklahoma City in Tulsa or any of our other great affiliates across the state. The Homosuner fans means Auburn, Alabama, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, everywhere else across the southeast and across the country uh, for years to come, which uh, we're, we're definitely looking forward to that. All right, let's let's um, let's tell the future a little bit on this Friday. We talk a lot about crystal balls on this station as it pertains to recruiting but I'm curious what our crystal balls look like for certain head coaches out there in college football. Steve Sarkeesian, Lincoln Riley, and Brent Venables. Travis, I'm going to let you start it off. What does your crystal ball look like? How does the Steve Sarkeesian era go from here? How long is he at Texas? When is he fired? What is your crystal ball saying about the future of Sark at UT? Well,
1: we have to go with what we know, right? We have to... we we have to you know understand if we don't learn from the past, uh, we're doomed to repeat it. So, Steve Sarkeesian is a 500 coach, uh, and he can recruit it seems, um, but we haven't seen him you know be able to actually put a product on the field uh, that is worthy of championships, and that's what Texas says they want. Um, I don't I don't know if they remember what it feels like. Uh, uh, to to receive any trophy. But uh, I think that I think he's gone in a couple of years, to be honest. I think the Arch recruitment bought him some time. I think that no matter what happens this year, I think a fun exercise would be how many games can he lose? Is there a number low enough to where they would fire him? Because I think with Arch waiting in the wings, I think they would say, hey, you know what, no matter how bad this goes, we could win three games this year and get blown out by Kansas. It doesn't matter we have our Lord and Savior, Arch Manning, coming down to the 40 acres. So I think he bought himself some time with that. Um, But I think he's there a maximum, I mean maximum, of four more years because I don't think they're going to do anything. I think it's very hard, as Marvin Hagler said, um, it's hard to uh, wake up and do road work at 5 a.m. when you're sleeping in silk pajamas. Uh, I think the silk pajamas in this case – uh, or that nice new Lamborghini uh, that Bijan's rolling up in. I think it's the what the Aston Martin. I think it is that um, Quinn rolls up in. I think it's very hard to get grimy and dirty and all that. Uh, you know, against against those lunch pail teams like even your Kansas States of the world, um, and, and go to work and say, you know what, we're we're ready to pour in our blood, sweat, and tears. So, um, yeah, I think I think with Stark, I don't think they win the Big 12. I don't think they win a conference title under him and I think the the max max time he's still in Texas is four more years. What do you think?
0: Uh, by the way, text line 405-651-3439. Play along with us uh, interact with us here on uh, this little experiment, crystal ball experiment. What do you think uh, the rest of the Sork tenure at Texas looks like? I think two years, man. Here, here's what we're doing here. We're combining a coach that has never really won at a high level, has never really shown any consistency whatsoever. And we're talking about a program that has done the exact same. Like, it's the decade of suck still lives on. Like, when you have a coach that hasn't shown consistency and hadn't won at a high level, and you combine with a with, with program that hasn't done it in over 10 years as well, I think you get Sark for two more years. He'll get next year. And they'll probably be a 7-5, and 8-4 and four football team, which I think will put an immense amount of pressure on him in year three. And I think with Arch Manning, they are what they've always been, which is a mid-level team in the Big 12. And if I'm right, if this is OU in Texas last year in the SEC, or in the Big 12, that year in the SEC could get real bad. Real bad. I think Sark gets two more years. I think he gets fired after three years. Loss, rinse, and repeat... Texas goes after the hottest commodity in the Power Five that's out there, and it's just the endless cycle of Texas not being able to get out of their own way. I don't, I don't see it going any other way, man.
1: Yeah, I don't think, and and I've I've talked about this theory ad nauseum uh, on this show, but I think it bears repeating. I do not think the NIL culture and the Texas culture is a winning formula. Uh, I don't think that a program that is already inundated with ego and brand and money and all that and so void of winning i don't think that buying players paying a bunch of people to go there specifically really along the offensive line by paying a bunch of people to go there you you make them less entitled and that's what that's what texas has been they've just been they've been entitled they've been spoiled brats and they're like, and and that's what it's kind of the the Jerry Jones uh, type kind of look at things. It's it's the um, you know he, when Kirk Herbstreit called it out, he's like this. He said this what when they were firing Charlie Strong, they were like they ran off Mac Brown, and then they ran off uh, uh, Charlie Strong. They're gonna run off the next guy, and they did. They ran off Tom Herman. Uh, you know that guy had a sugar bowl win. Uh, you know, had done more for that program than a lot of people said. Oh well, we didn't like him. Oh, okay. Well, I, I guess I guess he didn't, he didn't like him personally. But he won a Sugar Bowl, which you know, Sark definitely isn't gonna do. But yeah, I just think that it is a horrible, horrible situation going down in Austin. I don't think it's gonna get any better because they care more about the brand of the the brand of the horns up than they do actually filling their trophy case.
0: Gunny says Sark is about three years when he does nothing with Ewers and Manning. He's done. Uh, 214 area code, Sark doesn't recruit. He negotiates payments. That <laughs> Could be some truth in that. All right, so we're all kind of in lockstep here on the crystal ball outlook on Steve Sarkisian. How about Lincoln Riley at USC? And I'll go first on this one, Travis. Um, I don't think that Lincoln Riley ever coaches a game in the Big Ten. I think that USC is definitely – it's going to be a bumpy road this year, even in the Pac-12. They will definitely lose to someone that we're not projecting that they'll lose to. I, is that a surprise to anyone? Maybe it's at Corvallis against Oregon State earlier in the year. But I think you're going to see when USC plays the best teams on its schedule, like in Notre Dame, they're really going to get exposed for what they are, which is a team that has good skill talent – but, man, they just can't get it done in the trenches. I think USC's probably going to be a 7-5, and five, maybe 8-4 and four football team this year. He comes back in 2023, and I think it's kind of a similar fate. He's just not getting those guys in the trenches. He's not getting those difference makers on defense. And, hey, I was led to believe that he's just going to own West Coast recruiting as soon as he got to USC. That hasn't been the case. I think after two years in the Pac-12 He kind of sees the writing on the wall and sees what's coming with the Big Ten. And I think he takes an NFL job, be it the L.A. Chargers job, be it the Dallas Cowboys job, whatever job is open at that time with a pretty good quarterback. I don't think Lincoln ever coaches a game in the Big Ten. I think he's off to the NFL by the time that happens.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I, I think we're pretty much in lockstep here. I've got a question for you. Um, is, Is Lincoln Riley Chip Kelly? meaning could be is, is he yeah, could could be the innovative hot commodity big offense guy lots of points video game numbers um, and then goes to the NFL to very mild minimum success and then ends up at, at UCLA as kind of the the afterthought of the of the of the Pac-12 Big Ten deal, you know, is that a possibility? Because I could see that being a bit of the trajectory. I mean, you you, you mentioned a couple of the things with, I mean, the trenches are a problem, um, specifically the offensive line, um, and we know and we know what the former defensive line players have said a, a, about Alex Grinch and his scheme. You look at their recruiting class right now, and they have one offensive tackle. Commitment. They have one offensive line commitment, and he is the 747th ranked player in the country. He is the lowest ranked player in their class, uh, and they've been striking out on all of their offensive line targets. Um, so, with that, we've already seen what his what his offense does when it doesn't have an offensive line that's that's really a dominant line. We've seen it with a dominant line, obviously. Uh, you look back to the Joe Moore Award-winning line. Um, but you see it kind of deteriorate, and the way that Benny Wiley builds their bodies, uh, builds the offensive line bodies, I just, I really don't see it going well in USC. But I do think that an NFL team will look at LaFleur, Shanahan, uh, O'Connor, um, Ke-
0: Kingsbury. You know, got Kingsbury, fired at Tech, man.
1: K- Kingsbury. Kingsbury um, All those. But there's, you know, there's, there's eight to 10. Young offensive minds in in the NFL right now that are that are the hot topic. Sean McVay, heck, we, I mean that's that's number that's a number one right there. So uh, I think that somebody like a Jerry Jones um, might say, you know what, uh, we we need the young offensive mind. And if Jerry Jones can't get Sean Payton, uh, I don't think Mike McCarthy is long for there. I don't quite think Kellen Moore is going to be the guy. Uh, I could see Lincoln going to. A team like the Cowboys, but but like I said, he reminds me a lot of Chip Kelly, the hot new thing, you know, doing things that nobody else is doing, and then all of a sudden, boom, the floor falls out from under the under the career, if you will. I know he's got you know he's got the UCLA job Chip Kelly does, but I see Lincoln going to the NFL and then being spat right back out uh, down to to where he's coaching. I don't know, he's coaching Washington or something like that.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's the craziest take just because, you know, how Lincoln Riley is viewed as, you know, right now in the college football world as an offensive mind, it's exactly how Chip Kelly was viewed uh, around 2010. Uh, Oregon played in that 2010 national championship game against Auburn, and, yeah, man, at that time they he was viewed at as he is the offensive guy in college football. Took off to the Philadelphia yeah, Eagles, well, had a small amount of success, and then his star is completely faded out, and I think UCLA – May fire him at the end of this year.
1: Yeah, and I and 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 kind of as, as we look at Lincoln Riley's class, you brought up trenches immediately, right? I kind of piggybacked on that, bringing up uh, their their recruiting class. Three out of their they only have three uh, linemen, whether it's defensive line or offensive line. Three commitments, and uh, all three of them are outside the top 500 um, in their class. So they have they don't have a top 500 player that plays in the trenches and I don't see that getting better I really don't so um yeah it's it's all it's all fun and games uh, loading up on the on the quarterbacks and the five-star wide receivers and all that kind of stuff but you know we saw that 2019 glass I mean Theo Weese is the last one standing and you know that I I'd, I'd rather have uh, I'd rather have a couple of st- I'd rather have DJ Hicks, you know, I'd rather have uh, LeBlanc. I'd rather have a a couple of those big time guys in there uh, personally.
0: Let me roll through a few of these texts on the Air Cover Solutions text line. 405-651-3439. Lincoln ends his career at North Carolina or Florida State, all right? Uh, college had figured Lincoln Riley's offense out. He's got no chance in the NFL. Jesse says Lincoln is destined to coach at Texas Tech. It's just a matter of time. Uh, yeah, that could definitely that could definitely be the case. Uh, well, a couple more. Daryl Royal was a Sooner player, and Mack Brown was a Sooner assistant coach. You must be a Sooner first to win at Texas. The stadium is named after a Sooner. Facts are facts. All right, Britt Venables. Uh, crystal ball prediction here. Here's, like, no homer. No Homer here. Here's what I honestly think, and we've got a text on here saying that they think Britt Venables is going to be here 20 years, and he's going to have a he's going to have a career that resembles Bob. Sam and Tulsa says BV will go down as the greatest coach in Sooner history and coach here for 20 years like Bob. So he's saying greatest in Sooner history. I think that Brent Venables, much like Bob Stoops, I think that their careers are definitely going to mirror each other in terms of the consistency. I do think that Brent Venables will not bring a level of consistency to OU because they've had that for quite some time, but I think that that's what you are going to see. Every year under Brent Venables, you will think, okay, OU is a realistic contender for the national championship. Like anyone else, there are going to be years where you feel better than others. You know, some years you may be reloading at quarterback or offensive line. But I think he's going to bring a level of consistency where OU routinely is in the preseason top ten, thought to be an SEC and a national title contender. In terms of overall national championships, Teddy thinks that they're going to win one in the first three years. I think to me, what's big to me is, does Dylan Gabriel come back for a second or a third year? If he comes back for a second year, I'm all about that, man. I'll get on board with winning one in the first three years. I think Brent Venables is a lifer here. Does that mean 15 years? Does that mean 20 years? We'll see. But I do think Brent Venables wins a national championship, brings a ton of consistency to Oklahoma, and I don't think that he's a guy that you're ever going to have to be worried about leaving to go somewhere else. I think that in a lot of ways, Travis, Overall, his his career is going to mirror a lot of what we saw from Bob Stoops.
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, I think everybody pretty much is in agreement there. And it's because you have to look, again, kind of like we did with Sark, you have to look what they've done in the past. Venables is not a guy, he's been a career coordinator, but he's not a guy that's bounced around a ton. He's basically had three jobs. Um, and... When you look at that, a long career, he turned down many opportunities. He said Florida State, Auburn, uh, most notably probably uh, and recently Auburn. But there's he's had opportunities to take the head gig. And I think he understands that the the next job he takes after Clemson was going to be his last job. I think he'll be at Oklahoma as long as we're willing to have him. And he feels – like Oklahoma, it really depends on how long he wants to coach and what he wants to, you know, if he has that kind of, oh, you know, all I want to do is win a couple titles. If I can win two titles, then I'll retire. You know, what does his timeline look like? He's 51 years old. Uh, I think it's important to note that his kids, um, his, his boys will be out of college, uh, you know, by, by the time we're even in the SEC. Um, so I don't, it's not going to be a situation where it's – Hey, you know, I want to go watch my, my kids play college ball. You know, I want to have more time doing that. I think I think he's he, he's gonna, he's going to be an empty nester, uh, full to, like once kids are completely out of college. And I don't know. I could see him. I, I think my number is twelve years. I think I think he's, I think right. he's twelve years. I think he retires when he's sixty three. I think he retires with two titles in twelve years. That's my that's wow. my guess. Hey. Um, I'll take deal, it.
0: Deal or no deal? Would would anyone take that right now? I would take that. I, I I would take. I would take exactly what Bob Stoops brought to you during his tenure from 1999 uh, all the way to uh, 2016. I I take it right now. Yeah. But two national championships? I'm definitely taking that in 12 years. I mean, yeah, that's easy.
1: Yeah. Well, and and, and really, the conversation has been over the last at least what probably. Uh, man, five or six years is who's going to be the next Saban? And I understand there will never be another Nick Saban, especially in today's um, today's kind of college football landscape. Uh, it doesn't feel like there's kind of an heir to the dynastic throne that 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 he sits upon. But he's seventy years old, man. Um, seventy years old. Somebody is going to at least. At least have a better shot at a title. Once Saban retires, Alabama will fall off. Not, I don't know what to degree to what degree they'll fall off, but you can't have you can't hold these two thoughts simultaneously. Nick Saban is the greatest coach of all time, and Alabama will not fall off when he retires. Because if they don't fall off when he retires, then I mean, I guess he might not be the greatest of all time. Because if you've got the greatest of all time leaving, then you should see a drop-off. So um, with Alabama dropping off, you think of just what a mainstay they've been on the national title scene um, over the last, uh, you know, decade especially, uh, but the better part of two decades. Um, you know, once, once that kind of clears out a little bit, then you can see a path where a guy like Venables, who Thad Turnipseed, has said, hey, look, you know, Venables – you know, he's 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 kind of as close to Saban, him and Dabo. You know, some of the people that are closest to Sabin that we've seen. Uh, there's no reason that Brent Venables, with with Oklahoma's tradition-rich history, with his understanding and respect of that respect of that history, that he can't raise the standards to that level and 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 kind of shoehorn himself into that that national dominance that we've seen after Saban retired.
0: Yeah, 405 651 34 39. Sit us your thoughts on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. But coming up next segment, I don't know why more people aren't talking about this particular player for in 2022. I have a player. Travis has a player. You might have a player. Texas and tell us. We'll get to that on the other side. Keep it locked on the ref or the Homosuiter fans. Final hour of the Friday Rush, taking it into the weekend. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. I'm at Westwood Park Golf Course. Travis is at Ash Cigar Bar in Tulsa, 4205 South Sheridan Road. I don't know why more people aren't talking about this guy uh, as it pertains to the 2022 OU football season. I know you have one player. I don't know who your player is. Um, I'm going to throw out a name, though, that everyone knows, I think. And he's got a very successful podcast. But here's why I pick Braden Willis, Travis. Everyone knows his name. And, and I think that he might he might have emerged himself kind of as the team leader of this offense during the offseason, at least that's what I've heard. But I'm mentioning Braden Willis because I think when we talk about dudes that are gonna be, you know, the main playmakers on offense this year, he's not really mentioned, man. Mims is Farouk is Uh, Javante Barnes and Eric Grayard. you get the point. I I think most people will go five, six, seven names in and not mention Braden Willis. And granted, I don't think that he's going to lead the team in receptions or even be number two in overall receptions. But in this offense and with his versatility, there's definitely going to be games where he's a huge factor in and makes some big plays. We need to talk more about Braden Willis being a bigger factor in this offense this season. That's my guy.
1: Yeah, you know I agree. Old ol, ol weight room Willie, uh, you know he had talked about, and I think he kind of, um, you know, became a play, a fan favorite during the change. Whenever he said, "Yeah, with Benny Wiley, like I had harder workouts in high school than I did in college." Um, well, he's not saying he's not saying that now uh, after Schmidt got a hold of him. So uh, no, I I, I I I like that pick. That's a that's a good pick. I'm going to stay on the offensive side of the ball, and I'm going to go with Drake Stoops. Woo. Um, you know, we hear a lot about Marvin Mims. I think we we hear a lot of people talk about Jaleel Farouk, uh, fresh off the performance against Oregon and uh, in the Alamo Bowl, and I think a lot of people think, "Oh man, he's he's going to be the one to have the breakout year because he had that big bowl game." This that. Well, Drake Stoops all he does is is whatever you need. And as far as receivers, he's the in the in the actual receiving core, he's the second highest returner of receptions from last year behind Marvin Mims and I think we all all have high hopes for Marvin Mims and his production this year. I think he's going to have a massive year as most do. But I'm I'm amazed people aren't talking about Drake Stoops like they are. And I'm not sure if there's a still a little bit of I don't know. I, I I think there might be still a little bit of oh you know he's 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 the coach's kid you know he kind of you know he kind of had the leg up getting on the on the team that way because he's Bob's kid and just, no this guy is a bona fide football player this guy has a chance to be you know playing on Sundays he according to reports out of out of camp it's about a spring ball and everything, is if you need two yards, he gets you three. If if you, if you need 11 yards, he gets you 12. He's exactly where he needs to be all the time, and he makes the big catches. I think on third downs, you are going to see a ton of Drake Stoops, and those are the money downs right there. Those That, that third down, that's yeah. that's what extends drives, you know. So I think Drake Stoops is really the one that people aren't thinking about, and that is – I will attribute that solely to the excitement around the uh, excitement around the receiving core, right? You have, obviously, Marvin Mims. You've got Theo East coming back from injury. You've got Jaleel Farouk coming off that big bowl game. You've got um, LVBS, um, LV Bunkley Shelton in, in, off the transfer from Arizona State. You've got J.J. Hester, the local kid, uh, coming back from Missouri. Uh, you've got a ton. You've got Jaden Gibson, big time spring game, six five. This, I mean, Nick Anderson doing some things that we like. He's got that big, big size too. But I think you get caught up in all that and going down the list, kind of like I just did, and then you forget, like, oh wait, Mr. Third Down himself, Drake Stoops, big time catches in the Red River game, big time catches in big moments. Uh, I, I think, I think he will be huge in this offense. So think about all of the guys that you have on offense this year.
0: And I think Drake Stoops, that's that, that's a great one. And here's why. In terms of his most clutch play, which was the touchdown catch and the overtime win over Texas in 2020, who on this offense, who on this team can say that they've had a more clutch play than what Drake Stoops has had in his career? Maybe Marvin Mims. Because Marvin Mims was single-handedly amazing last year in the OU Texas game, and that's not to diss on any other guys on the team. I'm just saying, Drake Stoops has arguably the second most clutch play out of anyone coming back on the team this year. I think that's pretty significant. That that says a lot.
1: Yeah, I think I think he, I can I think you can bump him up to to first chair when it comes to the clutch plays. Um, text line, uh, we've got a we've got a Marcus Major vote. In the in don't the text line, what what do you I hope so. so you don't hate it? Interesting. I'm I I, I really want. I, I'm I'm waiting to see it from from Marcus. I think Marcus got almost an unfair shake from the fans after he was tabbed by one of our own as the closest thing to Adrian Peterson that this Woo-hoo. person had ever seen. That Woo-hoo. is that's tough, man. That that is that's a real tough thing to. Uh, to say about somebody Um, you know he's obviously if he if he puts his academics you know where they should be uh, he should be in good shape but last year just 15 attempts for 83 yards you know five and a half yards a carry for you know no touchdowns Uh, you go back kind of year by year and he's shown flashes kind of if you (laughs) if you take out that that Florida game um, which everybody succeeded in I mean, you and I both. I think. I think you busted off a 50 yarder on that in that Florida game. I had game, a 58
0: yarder. Yeah, yeah. I had. A, yeah, okay. I think I had 72 right yards there. on uh, two carries. Yeah, I had a nice little day there.
1: Yeah, yeah. So when you look at uh, when you look at kind of outside of that game, and, t- and and I get they play the game. I get it. Like the, he actually ran those yards. When you look at it, it's it's not a. He's been here since 2019, and we're seeing again this year. I mean, who, who are the two names that they're saying are going to be 1A and 1B in the starting rotation? Who, who are the names?
0: 1A and 1B in the starting rotation
1: this year? Uh, it's Javante yeah. Barnes and Eric Gray at, at running back. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's what's interesting is you've got Marcus, who has been here since 2019, you know, ha- has had opportunities, hasn't really taken a hold of those opportunities yet. So – you wonder what, how much he can do at this point to crack into that kind of into that rotation now levy's a guy that likes to run the ball um, likes to run it specifically in the second half so maybe that's where a bigger body like Marcus Major can come in afterwards and deliver some 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 final blows down the stretch but I don't know I'm 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 really interesting I'm really interested to see what Marcus Major does. In, in such a massive year for him going forward yeah in relation to Eric Gray and Javante Barnes in the rotation because I do think that Eric Gray, if you remember, Eric Gray was like that was a big time pickup for us in the transfer portal when we were looking at when we were looking at kind of, you know, what he was as a recruit, um, what he was as a prospect. I mean, he was the number three all purpose back in the country, four star guy, top two hundred guy. And Lincoln Riley forgot that you were allowed to throw the ball to running backs. And Levy seems to be a guy that is okay with throwing the ball to running backs. And I think that's where you're going to see a ton of Eric Gray because you'll see him actually come out of the backfield and catch those, those wheel routes and things like that. So I'm I'm just really interested. I think that's going to be one of the fascinating things to watch is who's playing time. Does Marcus Major take? If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, uh, let's let's roll through some of these texts here. Um, I think this is finally going to be Trey Matwair's year. You guys are ridiculous. Starting drinking early on Friday. Gosh, Drake Stoops. They, they had Eagles more, they the had more than two beers for breakfast. That's true. Uh, Gunny says Jaron Kannek and Billy Bowman are two on defense. That I'd say. Uh, Billy is built by Schmitty and not built by Wiley. Yes. Uh, this season will end with Marcus Major as the leading rusher. Book it. That's a pretty bold there. Jalen Redmond um, running back from Colorado. Might stir things up once he sees some action. Yeah, um, he, he wasn't here for the spring. Yeah, Gavin Sawchuck, I think that redshirt year could, could be coming for him. If he's going to help out this team, I think it's going to be on the back end. But he's definitely going to have some catching up to do once he gets on campus. But, no, I'm with you on Eric Gray, man. And, hey, everyone's had a great off season. I, I, I know that. I know that narrative. But, seriously, it sounds like there were certain guys that really kind of stepped up, really had a, I don't know, better off season than the other. Like Eric Gray's one of those guys that we talk more about Javante Barnes. I think maybe Marcus Major even gets more run than him. People say this is the year that he finally – you know, shows out to be that dude. He'll be the leading rusher. We just got that. Like, watch. I don't have to tell you to watch out for Eric Gray. I just think something is coming from Eric Gray this year that maybe not everyone is expecting. And I don't think he's necessarily going to be the best back in the Big 12, but I think this year we're going to see by far and away Eric Gray's best year in college football. I think some people are going to be surprised with, what he gives this offense this year, I don't think you should be surprised, but I think a lot of people will. I think he's going to have a, a fantastic year, and he's probably going to be my pick to be the leading rusher.
1: When you add the when you add the element of throwing the ball to one of the best all-purpose backs in the country coming out of high school, when you add that element to the game, it opens up so much. You're seeing it yeah, for it any does. of you fantasy football players, um, you know, and I know that's probably most of you out there. Most of you probably have. Ten teams that you're a part of, um, it is such it is such a value to have those pass catching backs, and when you take away their their pass catching ability, um, you really you really hamstring them, and that's what Lincoln did with his play calling. He was not throwing to Eric Gray out of the backfield, and that's where he had success. So, um, yeah, I think he's going to have a great year. Javante Barnes uh, obviously has shown great uh, great promise. At his age, uh, that'll be exciting. But like I said, I will. Uh, I'm on wait and see with uh, with Marcus Major. I hope that I, I hope that he has an incredible year. Here's the thing: if Marcus Major leads the team in rushing, I think that probably means that we had a good year because he would have I think had to do something incredible to to jump those other two and really put together something extremely special. Yeah. Um, But I don't know. We we will certainly see. I'm good with that. All right, 405-651-3439, Air
0: Comfort Solutions text line. Final hour of the Friday Rush rolls on next. Still, Friday Rush, Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. Westwood Park Golf Course in Norman is where I'm at. Westwood Golf Course, Westwood Pool, Westwood Tennis Facility. They got it going on here in Norman. Really, really cool facility. The city of Norman has built. Travis is at Ash Cigar Bar, 4205 South Sheridan Road in Tulsa. Great cigars, great drink specials at Ash Cigar Bar. And, hey, maybe consider uh, hanging out there for an OU football game this year if you can't make it to Norman or uh, one of the many road games this season. I have been seeing, Travis, that um, SEC fans have been inquiring about what Texas fans are like. I know a radio station in Birmingham (laughs) had a uh, poll question out there to like, hey, what do you guys think Texas fans are like? If someone from the South right now asked you what Texas fans are like, how would
1: you respond? Uh, I, I, uh, I guess if I had to do it in one word, I would. And it's a word that is probably used too much, but I think this is just true. But it's delusional. (laughs) <laughs> I think delusional is the best that's word good, because good – Well, that's a good place to
0: start for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah because you, you think of – I mean, you talk about the decade of suck, and it's like every year, every single year it's, oh, it's different. Oh, the here comes the wins. Hey, this is going to be different, man. Oh, we finally got those recruits coming in. Dog, you've had the recruits. Tom Herman put put up back-to-back number three classes, and then zero of them got drafted last year like it's it's never been an issue of talent and you keep on telling them that oh oh it's it it doesn't matter this time it's different man these coaches are different it's never been different not since max heyday you've gone through coach after coach but all of a sudden sark mr 500 it's going to be different even though he lost to kansas at home he got zero players drafted in his first year he got he went on a six game losing streak for the first time in you know, decades and decades. Um, But yet this is the guy that's going to turn it around. And I think that's the delusion. And it's so annoying that our biggest rival is this out of touch with reality when it comes to what their program has been and what the signs of the past are saying about the future. I would use uh, – I I
0: think that's great. Delusional is amazing. I'm going to use entitled – Um, I've never seen a group of people or a fan base get their ass kicked over and over and over again, yet still have an entitled feel to them that they're just a little bit different than everyone else. They're just a little bit more special than everyone else. We are entitled. We are above everyone else. We are above Oklahoma. We are better than everyone else. You're not better than anyone. You haven't even been better than Kansas recently. Yet there's just this air of arrogant. Just so arrogant. I never understood understood why they think they're so special.
1: You know what's funny? Uh, Back when uh, the the announcement got made about moving to the SEC, what was the the narrative from Texas fans? OU is broke, right? That was the narrative because they all wanted to talk about what their revenue is. I have never seen – so many fans of a school talk as if they have a joint bank account with the school. Like, you had you had Texas fans that probably don't have a couple nickels to rub together talking as if they are the ones with all the money in this bank account. Like, what are you talking about? I mean, it was, it was truly amazing. Like, you know y'all don't get a cut of that, right? Like, when the new SEC TV deal comes, like, you don't get a check in the mail from – espn saying hey thanks for being a fan of the texas longhorns like i hope they understand that or whenever they you know apply yeah. for you know a, a home loan or something like that they don't just wear a texas shirt in there and say hey go ahead and approve me because have you seen our endowment the typical thing about them is they don't understand this either they
0: wear it as a badge of honor that well yeah but look at all the money that we create look at all the revenue that we generate, dude. That makes it even worse for what you haven't accomplished over the past ten years. If you were broke yeah, I mean, and couldn't fund the best facilities in college football and like all I mean, it'd be a little bit different, right? But you have the most money and you still suck? And you're wearing that as yeah, a badge of honor and bragging about that? Dude, that's what that's not that's bad. That says everything, man. It says everything.
1: Yeah, that's that's the problem is despite being the most well funded athletic department in the country, you still can't figure it out. Kansas still has a yeah, track around their football field, and they're beating you. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, SEC fan, if you're out there listening, there you go. There's a few minutes as to what you can expect from Texas fans uh, in the SEC because I promise you the uh, results ain't changing anytime soon. They are a long ways off from turning it around. Yeah, the other one, and the other one, is the confusion. The, SEC.
1: the confusion of the of the, the of the geography, right? I like the. Oh well. You guys would be nothing without Texas kids. Yeah. Yeah, well, your program wouldn't be anything without Daryl Royal, Mac Brown, those guys. Like, so if we want to talk about, I mean, if we want to talk about Oklahoma native Darrell Royal going over there, who your stadium is named after, like, calm down. And also, it's just a population thing. We're two hours away from Dallas. So it's like, of course, you might want to ask, why, if Texas is so great, and the state of Texas, I enjoy the state of Texas. I like Fredericksburg. I have a great time when I go down to Houston. I like the DFW area. I like Arlington. Like it's, it's it's a fun state. And I just, if people are willing to leave the greatness of that to go play sports elsewhere, how bad is your program? Exactly. Exactly. All right.
0: Last segment, final segment of the Friday Rush is next. Keep it locked in the ref. Final segment of the Friday Rush. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. Westwood Park Golf Course is where I'm at. Travis is at Ash Cigar Bar. Travis, quickly before we get out of here, we love the direction this 2023 class is headed. Top 10 class right now, but what's still the position of need for this class with 16 commits?
1: Oh, position of need. Um, I'd like to see DBs. Yeah, I'd like to see some in the secondary. I was, I was gonna say. I, Obviously, we've got a couple of corner back uh, announcements coming uh, with guys that have a couple of crystal balls headed our way. Uh, we've obviously got a safety target in Makai Vickers that would be nice to add. Yeah, I think we. I think kind of wraps up his side of the uh, his side of the of the defense, and uh, we get this thing to where after that it's all gravy on top. You add some pieces down the road.
0: I would agree. It's DBs, and guess what? Defensive backs are coming. Defensive backs are coming oh, in the so 2023 class. All right. That'll do it for us. Appreciate all the interaction as always. Enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. with the ref. It's the Homesteader fans.